Jeff is a health and fitness coach and he works with men. And he also has a master's degree in Buddhism, which I found fascinating. So I asked Jeff, how does the modern man blend spirituality with body and mind? When we think about how much emphasis we put on our outer appearances and how much money we actually spend in looking good and stepping out in style, we're often neglecting our mental health and well-being in the process. And we know what toxic masculinity looks like, but what's positive masculinity? We also talked about the inequalities between men and women and how we could empower both sexes so that both feel seen and heard. It's a great episode and I hope you enjoy it and let me know your thoughts. So, hi Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you on my podcast, Toxic Masculinity Behind the Mask. A discussion about men, mental health and well-being and what it means to be a man in today's society. I was fascinated to read that you did a master's in Buddhism in Hong Kong. Both the subject matter and location have intrigued me. And then you studied for another master's in mind and brain education at Harvard. Very impressive. So tell me, Jeff, what was the single biggest takeaway from those studies that you would say has had the biggest impact on how you consciously choose to live your life today. Mm. Thank you, Shari, for the, the introduction. I like to joke that I am thoroughly overeducated and entirely <laughs> confused. Uh, and so I just like to preface it by saying, you know, in my own process of working through this confusion of, uh, you know, what does it mean to, to be a man in today's society, as, as you said? And, mm. and how can I live a life that is of service and meaningful and valuable and fulfilling? Um, you know, I, I was drawn initially to Buddhism because my previous undergraduate degree was in uh, neuroscience and behavioral biology and a very scientific Western-oriented mindset reducing the body down to neurotransmitters and electrical impulses and this very mechanical mm. kind of medical view of, of the body. And all of that was, was extremely wonderful and extremely valuable. So like, I'm, I'm certainly not um, advocating against that, but it felt incomplete. And so that's what I was drawn towards Eastern spirituality as a complement to this sort of Western scientific view of the body um, you know, and this, this is what ultimately has led me to this kind of holistic mind, body and, and spirit place when I think about, you know, health, well-being and then my, my own place, you know, in, in the world. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. It's a great combination. I mean, a, a wealth of knowledge that resides in you. So how, how would you say, how does the modern man then blend science and spirituality? And would you say it's easier to even discuss a concept like this today than it was, say, like 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, that's such a great question. I love this idea, right? Of, um, how does the modern man blend science <laughs> and spirituality? Uh, and I'd say that the modern man typically doesn't do a very good job, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that is the whole reason we're having this conversation, 
is that we need to use our imagination. We need to reimagine what, you know, a modern, conscious, evolved form of masculinity actually looks like. Because I think we don't have very good models to draw upon right now. No. Right? And so I think what we're seeing largely is just a reaction against, you know, the, the ways in which masculinity has been, you know, as you say, toxic or problematic, but we don't necessarily have a very good vision of what a healthy or positive masculinity could look like. And, um, and, you know, regarding your question about the conversation, you know, I appreciate even just being here right now, having this conversation. And part of my motivation is because I don't think there are enough men uh, willing to have this conversation. And, and it makes sense because I think for, for a lot of guys, you know, you, you know, a, a podcast like toxic masculinity, they either assume that like, Hey, this is going to be like really radical, extreme feminist. That's just going to bash yeah. the hell out of men. Right. Which, and so like, nobody wants to step into that arena to get beat up. No. Right. Or, you know, or fall into the opposite extreme, which I think is this sort of okay, you know, we live in this, you know, uh, you know, male, you know, toxic, patriarchal society. And therefore, like, everything that we do is automatically oppressive and automatically wrong. And I think that leads to a lot of men feeling powerless. Yeah. And they so the natural choice there is to kind of just opt out. They're just like, I don't I don't want to take part in that conversation either. um, Because I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. And so I think, you know going back to that idea is like first we need to include men in the conversation and then we need to sort of transcend these old outdated models of masculinity and revision what what else is possible yeah exactly and that's the the aim of my podcast is to see where we are now what's most definitely not working what we really need to get rid of that's entrenched in tradition and culture and societal expectations and how it's basically harming all of us because we can't just look at the the men in our society um and 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 not include everyone because we're all impacted you know if 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 we're we're, we're broken we're broken together as a society because it impacts everyone and it has to do with you know our relationships and how we actually relate um to each other in in a far healthier and perhaps more helpful way. Yeah, I, I love this, you know, your your banchari of, you know, recognizing the ways in which uh, our current system is is really oppressive to men and to women in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Now in, in very different ways, but still pr- deeply problematic. And that uh you know the, the way forward is empowering both sexes and i think that that is often one place where i think a lot of conversations get tripped up um you know which is this typical kind of like you know um i i was i was powerless right like you know there's the sort of classic feminist perspective like i was powerless now i am more powerful right but that can become toxic too when people say, you know, go, go, go F yourself, right? Go F yourself. I don't care about you. Right. And that's the classic example of, you know, the, the oppressed then becoming the oppressor. Mm. And, mm-hmm. right? and, and all that does is perpetuate yeah. the same power dynamics of that create harm. Right. So the, a different approach is to say like, I was powerless. 
now I'm powerful. How can we empower each other, right, to be more fully ourselves? I don't think we have a good model in, in, and you talk about like be, uh, being in relationship where it says like, I want to be most fully myself and I want to help you mm. be most fully yourself. And we want to do this yeah. together. How, how we do we do that? that? Right? Like we assume that if I'm fully myself, then you're somehow getting screwed over or I'm somehow wielding my power over you, right? Yeah. Or the opposite is true, right? We see it in this very zero sum, winner, loser, you know, oppressor, victim, mm. binary. And so I, again, I think this is the challenge for all of us to move out of that black and white thinking into some sort of holistic nuance that transcends that. So what does your work involve and who would you say is your ideal client? Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I, wouldn't say that my work is directly related to this idea of masculinity or toxic masculinity or patriarchy. However, it is woven into who I am and everything that I do. And the more that I do my work in the health, fitness, wellness world, the more important I see this topic being because I work generally with men and I work with men who are coming to me because they're having issues with their bodies. And these might be physical issues like pain or uh, injuries. Mm. There might be more, um, you know, desires for a certain performance. Um, but and then all of that is wrapped up in, in looks. Like even if that's not somebody's primary desire, you know, it's like there is still uh, a certain emphasis on, on appearance. Yeah. You know, why would somebody put all this effort into going to the gym or eating right? Like, yes, in service of health, um, but there's an undeniable part of looks. And so with that, you know, floating in the background is this idea of what is it, what does it mean to then play the part of being a man, right? Like how do I perform my masculinity through my body? Mm. Because guess what? Our, our bodies speak for us, right? Mm. Without us having to say anything. And this was something that was always so tricky for me because you know we're, we're taught not to judge a book by its cover yeah. and we know that we know that first appearances are superficial and you know and yet they still they still exist and they still matter um and and when we're talking in in large sort of generalized social terms right like they they make a big difference because how i am treated you know that whether that person walking on the street you know, walks towards me or away from me because my body is white and I'm male and I look a certain way, mm. right? Like that matters, right? Yeah. Because assumptions, assumptions are being made. And so I think, you know, in, in the work that I do with men of, of trying to empower them to take better care of their bodies and to come into a different relationship with their bodies inevitably means uh, unraveling some of this toxic masculine some of the patriarchal and sort of white body mm. supremacy that uh, that we're all steeped in, and and it's you know it's it's a difficult it's a difficult task, a difficult journey. How open are those men to look at at that perspective? Mm. Uh, how open are any of us <laughs> to look at? <laughs> yeah, right? how to, resistant like, are we? To look at the things that are hard, you know? I, I, um, 
I'd say that obviously, you know, the, the people that come to work with me in private coaching have already reached a certain level of awareness and, of, and are usually, you know, have a certain amount of, uh, what I would call sort of educational or developmental privilege in the sense yeah. that like they're, they're aware, right? They're aware of these things. It's not the first time that they've ever maybe thought about it. And so that makes the conversation easier. Um, and, you know, my goal is to just try to invite them into a space. You know, the, the thing that I love doing most is creating a container where, where men and women, where, where, where humans can just be fully human, mm. right? And so, like, I want to invite in all the different parts of you. And that includes the shadow parts, that includes the pieces that feel really broken or includes the parts that you feel really ashamed of, that you've never admitted to someone, you know? And, and I think this is the basis of good, uh, you know, therapy as well, that unconditional positive regard, like that sets the stage for people to then be more willing to share. And then, and it sets the stage for men to be more vulnerable. I think a huge, huge problem, you know, one of the ways in which sort of toxic masculinity manifests itself at the social level is that it, it doesn't allow men to be vulnerable no. in public arenas, right? And so I don't think men have a lot of spaces or opportunities in their day-to-day to be vulnerable, especially with other men and especially in groups. And so if I can provide some, you know, just a little place for that to happen, I think it can be very healing. Yeah, no, that's 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 very true because, um, you know, it's all very well looking at your body and wanting to look a certain way, which is obviously fitter. And then you combine that with with healthier, healthier eating habits. And we totally ignore our mental um, health and well-being. Because, you know, we can all look great, can't we? If we if we if we followed that premise and be broken and and, and screwed up inside. (laughs) Yes, yes, we can. And I think this has been part of my own journey of, you know, um, you know, to a certain extent, having mastery over my my, my physical body, you know, like I I know enough about the principles of nutrition and exercise and lifestyle and behavior change that, you know, uh, you know, I can get my body to quote unquote, like, you know, fit the part, right, look the part, play the role, you know, I I have a, a somewhat socially desirable, you know, white body. Um, And, like, I can feel completely broken on the inside, right? Like, I can be, uh, you know, anxious and ashamed about who I am yeah. and not confident in my own skin and, uh, you know, feeling a bunch of feelings that I don't know what to do with, that I just want to run away from, right? And so this is that that interplay of, of the outer and the inner that's, that's so, so tricky. Um, and again, you know, our, our culture, you know, puts such an emphasis on, on the outer, um, and often at the neglect of the inner, and and again, especially for for men, it you know it is uh it's difficult. It's difficult being an emotional man because we're typically taught to be more stoic. Man up, is what it's called. <laughs> man up, yeah, you know, grin, grin and bear it. You know, like don't. And so you know, and and I think, obviously, again, there's 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 nuance to that. Right. Like I'm I'm not advocating for less courage or less grit or mm-hmm. less strength. Like, I think those things are vital. Those are great. Right? 
Mm-hmm. But what I'm advocating for is at the same time also like more self-compassion, more forgiveness, more opportunities to just acknowledge that like we have feelings too. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the part that often gets overlooked or denied. Yeah, very true. Very true. If we um go back to um when you were younger, you suffered from an eating disorder. And um so tell me more about what was happening in your life at the time and how you actually overcame that challenge. Yeah, this has been, you know, a, a crucial part of my life story. Um my embodiment game as I like to call it. And, you know, and it's been interesting reflecting back on my childhood, you know, but before I developed an eating disorder as a teenager, I was actually, you know, a, a very outgoing, silly, and and somewhat overweight kid. And, um, and so thinking about the body piece, like that actually gains me access to uh, a peer group. Like, by, like I was sort of the chubby kid and like, people who like, you know, would like feed me weird stuff. Mm. And I would like hide food in, in, in like my fat rolls and my belly. And like, you know, I was kind of like the chunky kid, but like people liked having the chunky kid around. Mm. So like that became an identity that actually was a source of belonging to other men, right. To other boys. Right. And so again, going back to this idea of like, you know, what does it mean to be a, a man in this world? And, um, and how do we enact our manhood? You know, and, and as a kid, that was important. And then I think that, you know, some shifts happen and there's so many dynamics that play, you know, family dynamics. My brother went off to school and, um, you know, I was at home a lot with my mom and, and then, you know, like sexual dynamics coming into understanding my own sexuality and being both a, a you know, the, the a sexual sort of predator in the, in the masculine paradigm and then also like a sexual object and trying to figure mm. that out. And I think also then recognizing the importance of, of that first impressions. And I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, like, it's not good to be fat. Like, I don't want to be fat anymore. Like, I want to be thin and fit. Like, and that's going to make me more desirable, more yeah, acceptable attractive, to, yeah. to women, right? Um, and so I think some of that fueled, fueled my restriction as well. I wanted to lose weight. And, you know, again, just like, I mean, there's so much social baggage around being mm. fat and fat shaming and what is you know, who decides what an attractive body is, right? Um, and, and again, obviously, like, you know, this is, this is so, so true for women. It is also true for men as well. And, and so I think that as a confused adolescent, like, I didn't have the capacity to integrate all of these things. And it really manifested in this sort of mind-body war where my mind was like, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that. And you need to look a certain way and you can only feel. And a lot of it is like, you can only feel a certain way. Um, and my body was just struggling to survive. And so, you know, that, that brought me to a, a, a huge low point as a teenager. And, you know, for the last 20 some years since then, I've been kind of piecing the parts back together, trying to figure out what, what happened to me, uh, how can I heal myself? And, and ultimately then how can I help others heal in a way, um, from similar wounds or avoid some of the same pitfalls that maybe I had fallen into. Yeah. But how did you get help? How did you go from getting into an eating disorder to actually coming out of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a hell of a lot of support from 
family, mm. from teachers, uh, from doctors, you know, it, I mean, obviously it began with my parents, you know, who are equally as afraid and confused and I'm sure had a lot of feelings of guilt and responsibility and not sure what to do and what to help, but yeah. they were there for me, you know, they were there for me through the whole thing and wanted to give me whatever help I could and, you know, sent me to dietitians and nutritionists and psychologists and there was a period where I had to drop out of school and enter into an, a, uh, you know, a hospital um, residential facility that kind of specialized in eating disorders and did a lot of different types of group therapy and art therapy and just just spent some time healing. And um, so, you know, it was, it was just being surrounded by people that were rooting for me. And for that, I feel so incredibly blessed, so incredibly fortunate that I had that because if I didn't, I, I could have easily continued down that path and, and really just destroyed myself. Like, and, um, and so I think it was that. And then, and then taking it into my own hands of saying, Hey, like I've, I've been through this crazy experience and, uh, it's not over, like recognizing there was a long path ahead, but like, uh, a certain willingness to want to continue to explore. And I don't know what that is, that's just some part of me that that curiosity that I said, like, let's, let's keep going and, and really try to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And, and now we can assume that you've got the right healthy balance between, you know, body, mind and food. <laughs> you know, it's a, it is still a work in progress. <laughs> I am still a work in progress and I am still learning and I am still journeying through this game of embodiment. I, I like to think that I have uh, learned a few valuable lessons along the way that having traversed this territory has given me some wisdom and perspective that I, that I can share. Um, you know, I, I still think there are, yeah, there are parts of me that are still hurt and wounded and show up probably in, uh, in little ways here and there, but like on the whole, the, my, my relationship with my body is, is so much better. Like it's so much more based in, you know, like mutual partnership and collaboration and love as opposed to coming from this place of, uh, you know, neglect, deprivation, uh, lack of worth, like constantly needing to like prove myself, like, you know, it's, it can be so incredibly draining. And that's what I see in, in, you know, the work that I have with so many people is how draining it is, mm. right? Mentally, emotionally, physically to constantly sort of be at war with yourself, whether that's trying to, you know, con control your eating or your exercise, but it's like, it's just like, everything becomes this battle of mind against body and uh and it's and that's no way to live and so i want to help people kind of come back into a, a better relationship yeah so what would you what would you then say is your mission <sighs> i think my mission you know i i say generally is to is to help people create healthier and happier bodies and to help create communities that support healthier and happier bodies. Right. But, and then like what that really comes down to again is, is, is really beginning to heal this mind body relationship 
and and within the context of you know men masculinity patriarchy um again you know so many men and i think you know this is the the, the sort of toxic masculine which you know men derive their self-esteem based upon their performance mm. based upon you know how are they performing in the world in terms of outward visible symbols of success of status right yeah. like of making money of, of like all of those things and I, and and i think what's missing is that a lot of men have a very um like stunted internal sense of self-worth right it's like everything is about how well did i do today right and what i did yesterday doesn't count it doesn't matter mm. and so i think to help men come back and develop more of that internal intrinsic sense of self-worth that says that the saying like your value you know in society and in the world is not dependent upon you know what you go out and achieve materialistically but is actually rooted in something so much uh greater right that that deeper sense of self-worth is so important and that and that takes a lot of work because you know that that involves a certain amount of emotional literacy mm-hmm. and teaching teaching men how to get back in touch with those emotions and that's why mindfulness and meditation are huge parts of both my personal wellness practice but parts of what yeah. i do and what i teach because you know that helps people develop that skill of first turning their attention towards their body noticing what are the sensations and emotions that are present beginning to get more familiar with those and beginning to to not run away from them to not either ignore them or deny them but to learn how to just be with them and let them be there as as an you know something that's informing uh their their decision making process and so you know again just back to the initial um your initial point about it's like helping all of us become a little bit more whole and and until we can feel you know for men specifically like until we can have men can you know have the skills to feel their feelings and then the capacity to hold those feelings and then the capacity to express those feelings mm-hmm. in society in a way right that is uh acceptable like that requires a lot of work right at so many at so many different levels um you know and i'd love to work at all those levels and again my work is mostly focused on sort of like that that individual healing yeah, piece yeah like the end product rather than the child <laughs> um, yeah you know i mean and so much of it goes back to being children right like i think toxic masculinity does you know really gets rooted as as kids and in a lot of it comes out in in how we in how we parent our kids right mm-hmm. um you know and and i think it's part of our responsibility as adults right to be a responsible adult is to then turn back towards your childhood and figure out what are those pieces from my past as you said that i want to bring forth and carry with me or what are the ones that i want to let go of Ditch. because they're they're yeah. not helpful right yeah yeah so um what would be your 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 message to any guy who's out there anyone who's listening and is struggling and and what small step could they take to to turn their lives around Mm. i mean i i want to say that there is no one right way to be a man and i think that's a really important Mm -hmm. uh, because 
as soon as we get pigeonholed into thinking there is one right way that I need to look or one right way that I need to perform or one right way that I need to behave, then, uh, then that automatically makes everything else wrong. And, you know, we cause ourselves so much grief by making ourselves wrong, making our bodies wrong, making who we are wrong. Right. And, and again, I think, I think patriarchy is extremely, um, you know, it, it teaches men to be extremely violent to themselves uh you know and and then what that does is like you know again then then that that anger and violence then comes out in terms of violence towards women right and and then it becomes extremely oppressive and extremely harmful and so you know i I do think a healthy dose of self-compassion right would help would help release some of that and so that way like there isn't all this violence that's stewed up inside that then gets shunted out and pushed onto women in really really terrible ways and so i i think that that's a that's one big piece that i feel really uh drawn to and the and the other one is that um you, you know you don't have to do this alone we, none of us are were meant to do this whole thing called life in a body alone. <laughs> we were meant to to be here, you know, to to be with other bodies, right? In relationship, in communion, um, and 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 that means there's a certain amount of giving and receiving. And I think it's really hard for a lot of men specifically to receive. They're they're not, you know, again, they're sort of like yeah, they're the providers, aren't forms. they? The givers, yeah. Of, Exactly. Like, cause, cause, you know, the ma- you know, and masculine energy is an outward sort of projection of energy in and of itself. Mm. Right. Um, Action, and, 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 yeah, I, yeah. And so like, I don't, you know, I, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Like we're, you know, we're talking about masculinity and, and your podcast toxic masculinity. I, I think it's important to like, just dissect that a little bit mm. because, you know, if we're, you know, if we get rid of the toxic part, then we assume like there is some masculinity that's not toxic, right? That is neutral or healthy. And then if we're setting up masculinity as in juxtaposition to femininity, then like we also need to assume that like there is both toxic femininity and probably healthy femininity. Absolutely. Right? And yeah, and, and all of this exists on a continuum. And I think for me, it's a matter of dosage. And I say that because, you know, and I'm drawing specifically upon the field of toxicology, like what makes something a toxin often depends upon the dose of it, Mm, right? And there's actually a lot of substances that at small levels aren't toxic, Mm. but at large levels are toxic. Um, There's even a really interesting principle called hormesis, which is this idea that uh, things that are toxicants, things that are generally considered to be toxic at very low levels can have extremely beneficial effects for your body. And this kind of makes sense, right? Where it's like just a little bit of stress, the right amount of stress can actually push us into the right place. And, yeah. uh, and exercise is, is one part of this, right? The right amount of exercise, the right dose, the right time actually strengthens and benefits our body. Too much of it becomes destructive, right? And so I, I think I think we need to find that right amount of masculinity right that Mm. is that is ultimately healthy and beneficial and useful without it becoming excessive and then therefore toxic right and and again so i think you know a healthy masculinity has a certain ambition and a certain drive and right the healthy masculine wants to go out there and build stuff and Mm. achieve things and and i think that's 
That's yeah. vital and that's amazing and important, right? Um, but it becomes unhealthy when two things happen, when either that, you know, that drive or ambition comes at the cost of other women or other people, right? Mm-hmm. And we see this so often where like men be, get so caught up in their, again, material success, status, their career, right? Like that drive for ambition comes at the cost of them being good to their family or a good parent or a good husband or, you know, um, you know, and it can also become toxic when, uh, you know, this drive to create and this ambition cuts people off from the reciprocal, which is the, the receiving, Right. Like I said, like a lot of men aren't very good at receiving at, at welcoming, including, you know, because 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 that's considered to be more feminine yeah. of a trait. Right? Yeah. And so for all of us to become more whole, we all need to learn how to skillfully embrace the, the feminine and the masculine qualities that exist within all of us. Yeah, it's to get that balance right, isn't it? And that mix. I mean, it was beautiful how you how you put that that you know and and that's why the podcast is called toxic masculinity behind the mask you know what happens when he man takes that mask off and shows his vulnerable side and how he's hurting you know it's it there's a reason why um men's mental health you know is is in in the rates for suicide, for instance, it's the the biggest number one cause of death in men. So that to me shows you what's behind the mask is is the struggle. It it doesn't always come, or put it the other way, being masculine sometimes comes at a price. If they're not yeah. able to to balance it with their feminine side. It, it does. And this goes back to that, you know, this idea that like, you know, patriarchy teaches men to be really violent, uh, both to themselves and then and then to others. Right. And and because then it goes back to this idea of like, well, if my sense of self-worth is based upon looking a certain way or performing a certain way, and if I'm only worthy, if I fit that mold, then guess what? If I don't fit that mold, then I'm not worthy. And 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 none of us really fit that mold because we're all unique individuals right trying to squeeze ourselves into some socially acceptable mold and obviously some people do a better job than others Mm. and some people were born right born closer to whatever that mold might be right it makes it easier right and that's that's privilege Mm. but um you know and and so this idea that you know my masculine identity can be taken away from me if i don't fit that mold like is really really scary and i think it makes men feel really alone and scared um and they're not supposed to be men are supposed to be independent and fearless and macho right and and again this is the way in which it it pigeonholes us uh into these ways of being that that are really self-destructive and and unhelpful and we need to disassemble that and again we need to disassemble it with a lot of care Mm. and a lot of nuance because you know we don't want to fall back into these either ors right we don't want to do it in a way where like we're we're lifting ourselves up at the cost of somebody else right it always needs to be uh in collaboration you know and and so it's it's so tricky and and I don't I don't I don't have the answer, you know. You know, like I want I want men to feel human and be able to express that, but like I, I'm still figuring out for myself of what does it mean like to have healthy male power 
in today's world. And this is something that I work through and navigate in my life and with my own relationships and with my wife and, and you know, and, and because gender roles and dynamics are changing so quickly, at least mm. in, you know, certain parts of the world. And yeah. obviously there's many countries that are still very traditional with it, but, you know, in, in the U.S. and in parts of Europe and other places, like, you know, these things are shifting. And, and I think they're shifting in many beneficial ways. However, that shifting context in and of itself can be confusing because we get kind of lost or like, we're like, well, you know, I, I, you know, I think, you know, again, most modern aware men know like, okay, I'm, I'm not supposed to be, you know, this like domineering, mm. violent, patriarchal guy. Okay. But then, but then like, who, what do I be? You know, um, does that mean that I'm just like uh, this like soft, mushy kind of nothing person? Mm. Like, how can I still, how as a man, can I still be powerful? It's really hard. As a white man, I feel like I often cannot express power because doing so puts me in jeopardy for, because everybody, if they're going to point the finger of blame, they're going to point it at the white men and saying, you have been oppressing and screwing us over for centuries and centuries and centuries. It is time for you to step down. And, and I agree, like, I want to do whatever I can to empower women and empower other people who don't look like me. Um, but is there a way to do that too, which doesn't just have me sitting on the sideline? Because I see that as a loss of my potential. Like exactly. I have the potential to show up and do amazing, powerful things in the world, right? I don't want to just completely undermine that and put it and say like well i'm a white guy so i can't do anything anymore i'm just going to be worthless like you know so that that's the part that i still find to be really tricky no that's true and and it's it's a huge it's a huge topic it's a discussion that we're going to have for years to come but i think we've just stepped into that awareness and with with that i just see that there's there's so much potential now to change but it has to be all inclusive but recognizing the differences the diversity of all of us and the strengths and um you know it's not going to change overnight but but I just think that that realization that things have to change and there's lots of people out there who actually want to embrace that change and we're just trying to figure it out at the moment as to yes we want the change how should it look not really too sure should we try it like this it's a work in progress. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and, and conversations like this are, you know, I, I hope are helpful. I think for me personally, that this is helpful in my own understanding yeah. of my maleness and masculinity. And, and my hope is that for the listeners, whoever, you know, is listening to this also provides a little bit of an opportunity to reflect on their masculinity or their femininity and, and, how, and how do they hold those identities and how can we do this in a way that is empowering for both, mm. right? Because I recognize, like, you know, like, women have been wounded uh, so severely for so many years. And, like, and like you know, I want them to feel re-empowered. Um, and at the same time, men have been disconnected mm. from their feelings, from their vulnerability for so long. And I want them to feel connected. Uh, and, and so, yeah, like, you know, I, I think we need to have conversations. We need to create spaces where these sort of things can happen again a lot of it coming back to how we raise and teach the next generation both in terms of our parenting and the cultural messages that we're sending of you know what does it mean to um you know enact manhood or enact womanhood uh you know and how and then what is you know how is that how can we do that in a way that is equal 
Yeah, yeah, we need a good mix of diverse role models so that everyone feels like, you know, they're, they're, they're spoken to by, you know, that person that they can see. And, um, yeah, yeah it, it, you know, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. And, you know, and I just think what, what you're doing and, where, and how you're coming from it is really good. And, of course, these conversations are going to help. You just never know who it's helping, do you? But... But it, it's come a long way because I certainly know that my parents' generation wouldn't have sat and had this conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, Shari. And I I deeply appreciate that. And, and, and you for having the courage to step up and, and create this podcast and hold this space and uh, as, as a beacon, you know, of, of light and, and healing in the world because... You know, at the end of the day, again, you know, the, the, the toxic masculinity, as you said, it is, it is a mask, right? It mm-hmm. is a socially constructed mask, and therefore it can be deconstructed. And I think that's what we're doing now. Like, you know, the, the leading edge of kind of progressive society is, is trying to deconstruct this, you know, white, uh, cis, heteronormative, you know, mask Um, And that's really important. And I think, you know, the part we both pointed to is like, well, once we deconstruct it, we need to reconstruct something else in its place. And, uh, and, and we, we don't have a particularly good vision for that. We haven't, we haven't co-created that vision yet. No. Uh, You know, I think it's, it's emerging and I'm excited to see what emerges and to be part of that emergence. And again, I, I want to be part of the emergence of that healthy thing and not just acting blindly out of this old thing in the past, as you said, and, and, and it's going to be a little bit of both, you know, and like, that's, that's how, I guess that's how, uh, that's how life evolves. Yeah. So I would view it as, you know, exciting times to actually be living in, like I said, to have these discussions and to actually want to bring about those changes and we definitely know what what healthy is or what isn't healthy. And we just take, you know, as much of the good parts, but also recognising, as you said, there is always a shadow aspect and embracing it and not making it wrong. Yeah. But more compassion. <laughs> embracing it and not making it wrong is, is really hard. It's, mm. you know, that's... Um something been hard, hard for myself of learning how to not make my body wrong for feeling a certain way, for not performing the way I wanted to, for looking a certain way. Um, but I think that's ultimately, again, you know, I focus there because that's where I think this work begins, right? Internally with our relationship to ourselves and to our bodies. Like if we can begin to, uh, come into a better relationship with our own power, right? And say like, you know, in my body, like I have a certain power and there's also a certain sense of compassion and forgiveness, you know, again, you know, they, they, this balance of justice and mercy, <laughs> right? Like society depends upon this balance of justice and mercy. And I think if we can do that for ourselves internally, then, then we can literally embody that, right? More evolved form that hopefully then can kind of lead us towards what a larger social paradigm would look like. Absolutely. So we've just described utopia, and um, and, and based on that, you know, if, if I mean it's, it's <laughs> which is look, I uh, I used to read a lot of science fiction growing up, you know, and and there's so much wonderful science fiction, but and so much of it is around these dystopian visions, right, of of society, um, which 
which I find fascinating and amazing, but I'm like, you know, why do we spend so much time imagining futures that we don't want? What if we spent equal and more amounts of time imagining these futures that we actually want to create and step into? Um, you know, and obviously there's a risk of being Pollyannish and, and every utopia, even a utopia has its shadow, right? Every utopia is constantly perfecting itself. So like, but um, yeah, you know, and I think this is, you know, part of my thrust. I, I, I did a lot of studying of positive psychology. I was drawn mm. to that field because, yeah. you know, preci- and precisely because, you know, I, I didn't want my work to be solely, uh, you know, focused on disease and illness you know, and, and, and unhappiness. Mm. Like, well, we focus on, on happiness and flourishing and what makes life really meaningful and enjoyable. Um, like we can study those things as well and we can learn from them. And so, you know, again, it's just, just having this broader spectrum, you know, to draw upon is so important. Yeah. No, it's been great talking with you, Jeff. And how would, um, people find out more about you, connect with you? Where can they go? Yeah. The best place is visiting my website, which is jeffsegalwellness.com. If you search Jeff Siegel Wellness, you can find me uh, online. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, you know, on all the social networks. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm out there. If you visit my website, I've got a ton of free resources on things like uh, mindfulness and meditation, thing, you know, how to design your lifestyle. So it's supporting your well being. And so, you know, how can you upgrade, you know, some of those more self destructive habits into healthier, more wholesome habits, got a lot of literature there, uh, workbooks, checklists, so please check it out. Um, hopefully, there's there's something that you can use to help empower you on, on your journey. Brilliant. So thank you so much, Jeff, for your time. Really appreciate it. it's been a great conversation. And um, good luck in fighting the good fight. Yes. You as well, Shari. I will uh, stay tuned for all of the future episodes of this podcast, really looking to listen and to learn and to just continue this conversation again with whoever is interested in continuing it. Um, if this is something that resonates with you, um, you know, get, get in touch, get in touch with Shari, get in <laughs> touch with me. Uh, let's, let's keep this work alive. So thank you. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you have a story that you would like to share if you'd like to come onto the podcast or if you would just like to talk to me then you can dm me you can leave me a voicemail message or you can contact me at shari at shari lewisandfresh.com until the next time thank you